Welcome, welcome. This is Kim Addis from Frame of Mind Coaching, and I am the host of Resilience Radio, where I interview professionals who are experts at crushing the tough stuff. Before I bring on my guest today, I want to just do a little bit of, let's call it a setup. Today is not any ordinary guest. I am going to be interviewing not only a coaching client of mine, but someone who is at a very peak point in her personal life where she's about to go through a personal and I suppose professional change. And I'm really, really excited to talk to you about that today. Hannah Ross, are you there? I am here. Hi, Kim. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you are the owner of a company called Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness. Right. So what is that? What does that mean? Who do you serve? How do you serve them? Tell us a little bit about that journey. So Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness is a women's health and pelvic health clinic in uh, Midtown Toronto. And most people, their eyes glaze over when I say things like that. So pelvic health physio is actually a specialized area of physiotherapy. I call ourselves the gynecologist or physiotherapist, where we work in a specialized area of often the perinatal time in women's life. We really address very personal issues like incontinence, pain with sex, pelvic organ prolapse, persistent pelvic pain. And I have a clinic that is focused on physiotherapy in that area. So people call us with these really personal issues and we treat them, but we also have a multidisciplinary side as well. So we have a whole host of other healthcare practitioners who see our clients in that same time frame. Okay. So how long have you been running this company? The company is four years old, but the clinic itself is two years old. Okay. And so you've been growing ever since. We have, yes. Okay. So you started off and it was just you and now you have a whole team. Yes. So it was just me, baby steps, and now we're taking leaps. Okay. And so one of the transitions you've made is from the idea of being literally a practitioner to a business owner. Yes. So a couple of things have changed as a result. One is the actual operation, the actual number of people, like the the logistics of your business. But the other thing that had to change is how you think about you and your own business. 100%. So how did you make that change? How did you make that transformation? So I would say it was gradual. It almost, it was very organic. I actually was working in physio clinics and I just was like, I need to do this. You know, I needed pelvic physiotherapy and it totally changed my life. So after getting certified in this area, I should start with that. I went onto Amazon and ordered a massage table and I started putting the word out there that this is what I was going to do. And I actually would travel to people's homes with my massage therapy table, this little foldable table, and I would see them in their homes. Mm. And I started with one client who is still my client because she's had two other children since then and slowly built up. And I vision and my marketing has always been just provide excellent care to people. And that has not changed from when it was just me to evolving into this large practice. Um, You provide great care for people and hope that it changes their lives. And then they go out and they tell their friends, you have to do this because it'll change your life. So, so Uh, wait, 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 slow down. (laughs) This is an important (laughs) question because I don't know how many people I talk to who are executives in their own business in large companies and they are thinking about starting a business and one of the things that holds them up is, you know, I'm good at what I do. I know I'm an expert in this field, but I don't really yeah. know anything about sales. Yeah. So how did you go from zero clients to let's say your first 10? And I understand that now it's primarily through word of mouth. Yeah. 
But how did you even get the word out? Did you put flyers up? Did you knock on doors? Did you make cold calls? Did you tell your mother to tell three of her best friends? I mean, how how did it work? Um, you know, I'm going to say I don't know, but I'll tell you what I actually did. I don't know why that first person took a chance on me. What I will say is from the time that I actually needed my own personal pelvic physio, I was already talking to people about it. So it changed my life. I went from feeling broken and, you know, my body was failing me to actually realizing that I could change that and I could rehabilitate it and feel way better than I've ever felt before. And so I was already talking about this concept to people before I was actually doing it. So very often pelvic physio is the kind of thing that, you know, that friends are sort of whispering to friends about, you know, if you're leaking when you cough and you, and you sneeze or you jump, there's this thing you can do. And it's kind of like this hush-hush discussion that people have. I was having that discussion long before I decided to even start my business. And I wasn't having it in hushed tones. Like I started to advocate for the actual service and then I started to provide it. Mm -hmm. But still, you went from needing the service to becoming a provider. But how did you spread the word? How did people start knocking on your door? How did people say, okay, here's money in exchange for your services? I talk a lot to a lot of people. I don't consider it networking per se, but anybody who is willing to listen, I would talk to about it. Uh-huh. So, and you would just give them your card. I wouldn't even give them what I realized was a spiel, but it, it effect, in effect was. They would say, okay, I want to hear more about it. I was like, sure, give me a shout. And I would, you know, yeah, I would give them my card, I'd give them my phone number, give them my email address. And that first person told one or two people and those people told one or two people and those people and it became exponential. It's like the shampoo commercial. (laughs) You know the shampoo commercial? She told two people and she told two people and so on and so on. Exactly. So so what you're really saying is your enthusiasm just spilled over and you couldn't hold yourself back and you just, you were yourself. You were just talking about it because that's what you're passionate about. Yes. Um, I didn't sit down and say, how am I going to go about building this? It happened because I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. So this is interesting because a lot of times entrepreneurs are given, let's say, the guidance to build a business plan. And that's the opposite of what you did. Yeah. Yeah. I was like flying by the seat of my pants. And genuinely, as things grew, I had to reflect and say, I have these other three jobs happening. I'm physically incapable of doing all of this at the same time. And so just organically, the other jobs felt, you know, I had to take leave or I had to resign from them so that I could focus on my personal practice. And then as that grew, I started to realize, well, I can't be traveling to these people's homes. That's taking too much time. I have this demand and people were, you know, I, I was saying, I can't see you. I'll see you in four weeks from now. So naturally, I had to find a space to be in, in order to be able to see all these people who, by the way, I was like, I was so excited to see them. It's like, Yes, you want to take care of yourself? Let's do it. Um, But it just was more of a natural process. Mm -hmm. Every time we reached a point where I couldn't see the number of people who needed to be seen, I was like, what do we do about this? And I went from doing home visits to renting a space. And then I hired somebody to do my home visits for me. And then I realized I needed more practitioners to meet the demand. And now you have about 10 practitioners. Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So, so here's what's interesting to me. Okay. So I coach a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of entrepreneurs get to a certain point and they do it exactly the same way, flying by the seat of their pants. They just go, <laughs> there is no plan. There is no structure. There is no vision necessarily specific. They just kind of found themselves at a place and yeah. you're in that place right now where you're like, okay, so I grew this like this haphazardly and it's going super well. But now I need a little structure. Now I yep. need a little plan. Now I need to grow. Or I want to grow to the next level. But I I think I need a little bit more of an idea of what that could look like before I just, you know, hit the go button as I usually do. Right. I recognize the thought process and the ways that I got to here are not necessarily what's going to take me to the next level. Because now I have hopes and dreams, right? <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm getting greedy. (laughs) Now you're getting greedy. So, I I mean, we're going to get there. So just a minute. Before we do that, I also want to share that Hannah has three children and is pregnant with her fourth. And this child is due in mid-August. And I think that this is a very interesting component of a business owner's life. So we have a female entrepreneur. You're in your mid-30s. And you're, you know, going strong, growing your business. Your kids are in a good place. They're well taken care of. You have somewhat of a routine going on with your kids. And now suddenly there's a new opportunity, let's call it, a (laughs) wrench in the routine, right? Things are about to change in a big way. And so tell me about your thinking with respect to how suddenly you put a stop to things in order to give your attention to a new child coming down the road. I mean, from an entrepreneurial perspective, how does it affect you? So I I waver between being like, I got this and holy crap, what am I going to do? But from an entrepreneurial perspective, what I would say is up until this point, my goal has been grow, push, keep going, keep going, keep going. And now my focus is how can I put things in place so that, you know, that I can extrapolate myself on it. So it's just not always about me. And how can I make sure that things continue to function and not necessarily grow? That would be awesome. But um, how can they continue to provide consistent, amazing and exceptional care even if I'm not there to rubber stab everything. Mm -hmm. So you're basically, and this is very classic for a lot of entrepreneurs, you're moving from being heavily involved in your business to now stepping back, looking at the big picture and working on your business. Right. That's a totally different way of operating. Yes. It's challenging, but also exciting. So one of the things that you and I have been doing together uh, over the span of our coaching is that your nature is to make things work. You're working 24 hours a day, go, 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 go. And you don't really take a whole lot of time to breathe. Right. You don't <laughs> take a lo- word again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't take a lot of time to take a step back and say, okay, so what am I doing? Where am I going? And I actually need to slow down so that the whole operation could speed up. Right. And that's been a massive shift for you. Yes. Just and the I idea that actually I- slowing down is necessary. Yeah. I think it gives you like, it fills you with glee that I'm going to be forced to do that. (laughs) It fills me with glee. But I want to ask you a question. One of the things that keeps coming up in our conversation is this whole idea that you have some degree of resistance to change. Yeah. So talk to me about that. What is that about? What don't you want to change? Where is the resistance coming from and why does it even exist? If you have an idea that things could get better, why not run into change? Well, I think that change is always scary. Something new is always scary. So 
different is inherently scary. I don't know that scary means bad necessarily. It doesn't mean bad. It just requires emotional energy to take that step and meet that new challenge. And so I think that there's a lot of energy that's been spent getting to this point. And I'm like, okay, how do I now get myself in gear to shift? And so the mindset shift is kind of what I'm resisting. Okay. So I'm going to step in as a coach, if you're okay with that for a brief moment. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So here's what's interesting is you talk about the energy required to change. And I would suggest to you that it takes a little more energy to hold on white knuckled to what you have. Yeah. Except that it's what I know, right? Yeah, it's what you know. And so that brings up a very important point. And I think we spoke about in a previous podcast, which is the idea of the unknown, like that dark space creates anxiety and it causes you to imagine a negative or negative outcomes, right? Not just one, but maybe multiple negative outcomes. And that's what causes you to refrain from pummeling forward, from moving forward at great speed. And so for me, the word energy is very important and it's how do I use my energy? So when you imagine negative outcomes, that's energy used poorly, right? That's not efficient. So imagine you had a bunch of people in your waiting room, right? Like in terms of efficiency, and they all had an appointment at 11 o'clock. Every single person who was there for the day all came at 11 o'clock. That wouldn't be efficient, right? That wouldn't be smart. Right. And it's the same concept here of how are you using your energy with your thinking? And right now, my job is to help you think about the idea that change could be easy, could right. be, could create flow for you, could use your energy more wisely and be less heavy lifting. Right. Right. And that's the shift that I'm interested in is the mental possibility that it could feel lighter. Right. You had me at hello. Okay. So that's the shift we're trying to make. And so the idea of I'm resistant to change, even as you say that story, you create heavy energy, you create a blockage. And so I'm inviting you to say, hey, I have been resistant to change in the past, but I'm really open to the idea of ease. I'm not even using change. I'm using ease because you're not moving from one thing to an unknown. You're moving from one thing to lighter, lightness, right? right. And that's easy to go to. It's exciting even to go to. So I, I want to go back to your business for a minute. You went yeah. from being uh, basically a solo entrepreneur to starting to take on people. How did you manage to start trusting them with your clients? Uh, well, the first person I took on was actually my sister. Okay. She's actually, uh, she's a physio as well. And what I have done with all of my practitioners is they shadow me and I mentor them for months before I'm willing to put them out onto the floor. So I look for people who are on brand. I didn't realize, obviously at the time, I didn't even know what on brand meant, but uh, people who create the level of care of, or the feeling of the level of care that I was always trying to provide. And then I would train them their skills. So could you define that, the feeling of care? Um, when somebody comes in to talk about pelvic health issues, there's this inherent 
level of safety that has to be created because it, it, these are very private issues. Most people are actually really embarrassed to be there for the first time. And it is 100% my job to make sure that that person feels safe enough to talk to me that they feel cared for from the second that they walk in the door so that they walk in they're like they can breathe a sigh of relief that they this weight that they've been carrying they know that whatever is going to happen here is going to help them usually it's us helping them figure it out for themselves but they know that their issues are going to be addressed and so it's very different than walking into a regular physio clinic where you're, they're like okay, your shoulder's hurting you, move your shoulder, you know, you, you're you moving 20 degrees that way and 40 degrees on this way, so now we have to get you to go 40 degrees here and 60 degrees here. We have to approach them as a whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of psychosocial stuff that happens. Like we have to look at them as a full human, not just a not just the pelvis. <laughs> and there's a lot of soft skills that are involved mm-hmm. that you don't learn in physio school. So how do you assess for them? So when you're interviewing someone, so there's two questions. One is how do you screen for that? And the second thing is how do you teach that? Um, The answer to both is I don't. Um, I'm looking for people who have that inherently. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really doing job interviews. I teach with, I'm a lab assistant with the pelvic health training courses. So I'm always looking for people when I'm on those courses. I have a lot of people who contact me to mentor them. And so every time somebody new is in, they don't realize it, but it's essentially a job interview at the same time. And whenever I go to any conferences or any seminars, any courses, I am always on the lookout for somebody amazing. So I'm almost constantly searching for terrific people. And then I figure out how to bring them on board. So how do you know that they're amazing? What are the indicators? What are you looking for? You know, when you meet somebody and they just make you feel comfortable, it's like, it's not a, it's a quality where you feel comfortable talking to them. I, I really can't articulate it in words. So it's a that feeling. Are, it's, it's just a vibe. It's, 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 it's like a, a vibe. It, an instant. It's just yes. a vibe. Um, it's, do uh, they have that in business books? <laughs> they do. It's, at the end of the day, you know what? In business books, they say you can create a whole criteria that you're looking for. But if the instinct says, no, I don't feel it, yeah. that trumps all, right? Yeah. Like that has veto power. Yeah. And what you're saying is I do it the opposite way around. If that's not there from the get-go, I don't even go through with the it's rest. No- yeah, it's a non-starter. And then if that's there, then I can train you on, on those skills. I can teach you the fi- you know the fine motor stuff that we have to do, yeah. uh, You know, teach you how to assess all that stuff. But I don't even bother if there's not that sense of the personality that I'm looking for. Right. So let's go back. You know, you're a business owner, you're a wife, you're a mom. Every podcast that I'm on, when they hear that I have five kids, I get asked this question. How do you balance it all? (laughs) I have a theory about that. I'll share my theory with you. So how do you balance it all? Um, I think it's an act of always sort of being okay with being imbalanced. You mean okay with being out of balance? Out of balance, yeah. Like there, I don't know that if when I'm rocking with my business stuff, sometimes that means I'm going to be away from my kids for a little while. You know, when I'm with my kids, I want to be with my kids. And so I think, and something that we're working on, right, is feeling less frazzled, mm-hmm. I, that I have to be 100% everywhere all the time. Um Sometimes I'll be 100% in one and sometimes I'll be 100% in the other. And I also recognize that my husband doesn't feel bad when he's at work. Why do I feel bad when I'm at work? So understanding that the concept of mom guilt is a decision that we come to. 
right? Mm -hmm. So if I can decide, and this is something I'm working on, if I can decide that I'm not taking that on, like I'm not taking on that guilt, that I can be proud of what I'm doing at any point in time, then there's less of a need to balance. Mm -hmm. So my philosophy is this, you know, people say, how do you, you know, how do you balance things? And I respond this way, when you're on a seesaw, right? You and a friend, you're on one side and your friend is on the other side and the seesaw is in perfect balance. What's happening? Nothing. 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 There's stillness. So, so is that how you want to live your life? Not so much, right? It's not that much fun when nothing's happening. So do you want moments of balance? Sure. Moments, but not long moments, not eternal moments, just moments right? So, so for me personally, I'm not necessarily after balance per se. I'm after the ride. I'm after the experience. I'm after the ups and the downs and the bumps and the, like, it's a high to be on the ride yeah. and you're on, you're really on the ride. Right. And so yeah. the other part of it is if we go back to the conversation about energy is that guilt is misused energy. Yes. It's a waste of time. Yeah. And who has time for that? You have too much to do, right? <laughs> Nobody has time for that. And no. so I have so many clients who have that feeling of guilt. And I'm like, okay, so how, does that make you more productive? Does that make you speed up? Does that make you more efficient? And right. the answer is no, no, actually. It really seriously slows me down because it creates self-doubt. And when I'm in a state of self-doubt, actually my work is compromised. And I would add to that also that I want my family to see me thriving in different areas of my life. I think that there's, you know, in a sense, first of all, my husband never gets asked how he balances, but you know, the other half doesn't necessarily get that question. Okay. And in a sense, you know, sometimes I say like feminism kind of failed us because now we expect ourselves to be, you know, the worker bees a hundred percent. But also we have to be the moms who are also the stay-at-home moms. I need to have everything home-baked and fresh and be at every single school event. And I think that that is setting a precedent for unrealistic expectations. And so part of it's also deciding what is important to me as a mother, what's important to me as a business owner, and then being more selective in terms of what I'm choosing to do for each of those roles. Right. And where you could cut some corners, (laughs) right? I, I think... Duncan (laughs) (laughs) if you need to bake a cake Duncan Hines works just as well as homemade hope fresh amen Amen. or bakery either or (laughs) whatever whatever don't bake it yourself up okay so as we're rounding the corner to this interview you have a coach on the line one you know you spend already a lot of time with but is there a question that you have for this coach So I do have a question. My question is, how do you make a sustainable change? You know, a lot of the times we're motivated to change by discomfort in where we're at. Mm -hmm. And so once that motivation is gone, how do we keep up with that change? Yeah, so it's very interesting because this comes back to the question that a lot of people ask us is, how do we create sustainable change? And usually that alludes to, how do we create sustainable change in behavior, right? So, so I think in thinking. Yeah. So so that's, first of all, how do we create a sustainable change in our thinking? Because yeah. thinking precedes action, right? Yeah. First we think, then we act. And sometimes that's happening at such a lightning speed that we don't see it taking right. place. And my job is to slow it down so that you see how your thinking is impacting your behaviors. 
And so, I mean, it's a muscle. It's a muscle we build. It's kind of like saying, how do we sustain a six pack? In other words, great abs, right? How do we sustain that? Well, you got to keep doing your exercises. You can't just get great abs and then go to McDonald's every day. It doesn't work. Right. If you get to a place of having great abs, how do you keep your great abs? You got to keep exercising. Well, it's the same concept here. If you have an effective change in mindset and what makes it effective, you feel better, right? You you feel differently. You feel lighter. You feel less guilty. You feel like you're perhaps getting more done, but you feel just a sense of well-being, a sense of health, a sense of harmony with the world, a sense of greater relationships, and not that heavy, anxious, worried, aggravated, frustrated feeling, right? So that's how you know you're in a better mental place. How do you keep that going? Well, you know, I encourage my clients to continue journaling, to continue doing that mental work. But even so, what's the greatest signal sign is that if you feel bad, your emotions are like your GPS, right? If you feel a negative emotion, that tells you, holy crap, I better go back to the gym, the mental gym. I mean, thinking, <laughs> my thinking is heading in the wrong direction. I need to do a little exercise. I need a little workout here, right? I need to adjust my thinking because when I feel bad, it's an indicator that my thoughts are pointed away from what I want. So uh, I noticed I'm feeling bad and I'm responsible for the way I think. I'm responsible for the way I feel. I need to pivot. I need to turn myself and face it, remind myself even of what it is that I want and head in that direction. Because when I'm focused on all the things I don't want, I feel bad. Yeah. And that's telling me that my thoughts aren't cooperating with my deepest desires and goals. So I need to get realigned, right? So the answer to your question is that this is a muscle we build so that when a negative thing happens and our muscles are strong, we bounce back faster. We all get kicked sometimes. Yeah, but some people happens. when they right life happens. But some people when they get kicked, they stay down a very long time. And those people who have that muscle, yes, they get kicked, they fall, but they get up a little faster right. and they run with it. And so that's the goal is to build that muscle. You know, you and I are working together for a period of time. After that's done, you can't just stop doing this. You right. got to keep going. So that's the answer. Gotcha. You brush your teeth every day, right? So. You do. You brush your yeah. teeth every day. Some people do, do it even do. twice a day. <laughs> They're just gung ho. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I have to say, you're one of my most fun clients. There is not one call where we're not laughing. <laughs> I have the greatest time with you. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you for spending this time with me. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for asking a great question and thank you for spending your journey, part of it at least with me. I appreciate it. Oh, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me every week and today. I really appreciate it. Onwards and upwards. Amen.